This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad to see you today. If you are here for the very first time, you are especially our honored guest today. And when you came in, you received a worship guide. Inside that worship guide, there's a connection card. We'd love for you to just take a moment and fill that out just so we can send you a letter thanking you for being here today and just letting you know how we can come alongside you as you take your next step with Jesus, whatever that might be. And then when you leave, uh, we have team at the back. They'll be at the door with buckets, and you can leave that connection card in the bucket. Uh, and we would just love to be able to connect with you in that. But we're so glad you are here, church. Can we welcome our first-timers today? Can we let them know? We're glad to see them. If we've not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kelly, and my husband, Lane, and I have the honor of pastoring this great church, and uh, we love you guys so much. He's actually not here today because he is on a guy's hunting trip with our two boys uh, and my brother and my nephew, and I was hoping that by the time church started, I would have a great picture to share with you guys about what he has caught, hunted, captured, and I'm sad to let you know, he's sad as well to let you know that I do not have that picture to share with you, but Levi did get a doe early this morning, and I was like, send me a picture because I wanted to share it. I'm going to be honest. I was looking at the picture, and as I was looking at the picture, I saw the face of that little, little doe. And I thought, there's going to be somebody out here that would not appreciate this picture. So I'm not going to share it, but Levi did get a doe. So I get some more deer meat for dinners, and I'm excited about that. So they're having a great time hunting. If I have just upset you at the thought of that deer, I'm sorry. I would just like a moment to restart, start again, start fresh. Uh, But he does send his love to you guys, and he'll be excited to see you guys next week. We're going to jump in. I'm going to talk about what I actually know a little bit about today. So we are in a series called Missing Peace, and today we're talking about relational difficulty. Difficulty. Today's title is Help. These people are driving me crazy. Does anybody here know of someone who is really difficult to love? Raise your hand, y'all. Don't point. Raise your hand. Don't point. I know, we all know these people, and this is the time of year where uh, we have our fair share of normal relational crazy. The holidays tend to, to bring it out, but Christmas and all that, it's like extra crazy with like whipped cream on top, kind of extra, you know? Some say that Christmas is like a magnifier of our lives. So what is good is magnified as amazing. What is difficult is magnified as well. So if you're in maybe a, a, a relationship and you're falling in love and things are incredible, well, Christmas will magnify that. All the lights, it's romantic, and the feelings of uh, romance and love will be magnified. But at, on, at the same time where there's tensions, where there's difficulty, maybe where there's loneliness or grief or sadness, The holidays and Christmas will magnify that as well. And so today as we're talking about um, our relationships and peace within our relationships, I think it's important to remember that people are hurting, people are stressed, people are on edge, people are facing all kinds of uh, challenges in their life. And some say that the age that we live in, this time in our society, is called the age of perpetual offense. 
If there's anything we agree on, can agree on, it would be that, right? Like the age of perpetual offense, it's, it's where we are quick to judge. We're quick to condemn other people. We're quick to, to call foul on what they have said or done. We're quick to call foul. We're quick to be offended. We're quick to cancel somebody. It's you hurt me. You have done me wrong. You offended me. Canceled. I'm going to cancel you. And here's the thing about searching for things to be offended about is that if you are on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you are looking for. And the challenge is that there's absolutely no win in living offended. Never once have I met somebody who said, I love that I get to be so offended. Since I live offended, my life is productive. It's full of joy. I'm happier. These are just really great. My, my life is better because I live offended. I've not met this person. I have not, I've not heard anybody say that. And here's the thing about being offended is that it is inevitable. It's inevitable that we're going to be offended. But living offended is a choice. That's what we're going to talk about today. So as Christ followers, we will choose wisely and we will choose to not live offended. As I've been preparing for this message, I, I feel the weightiness of relationships that are missing peace. I feel the, the weightiness and I think the sadness that comes from these relationships that do not have peace in them. I have these relationships myself and um, some of them are very personal. Some of them have been ongoing in difficulty. And I, I feel it and I know that it's almost certain that every single one of us here has a relationship in our lives that is missing peace. So I just want to take a moment as we jump into God's word today uh, and just pray that our hearts will be open to what he's saying to us so we can take his word and apply it to our lives and, and bring the peace that God offers us into relationships that can be so painful and that can be so difficult. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love and grace for us. And, and God, we thank you that we can live in relationships with one another. And Lord, we ask that in the same way we've been loved by you, that you will help us to love others, showing grace and mercy to them. And Lord God, we ask for miracles today. Yes, maybe physical miracles, but God, we ask for relational miracles today. God, that where there are maybe marriages or family relationships or friendships that have been strained, Lord, we're asking today about by the power of your Holy Spirit that you bring healing, they bring restoration, wholeness. God, maybe it's forgiveness in our relationships today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, are you guys ready for a tough scripture? <laughs> a tough scripture. It's easy to read. It's not, it is not easy to live out. And I'm going to be honest. There are some things that as, as a communicator, as a preacher, that are very easy to preach because it's easy for me to live out. And then there are some things that are not. There's some things that are difficult. A few summers ago, we went through the Beatitudes, and I got the topic, blessed are the peacemakers. I was like, the peacemakers, I want to preach about, like, let's go fight the enemy. Like, let's take, let's take the kingdom by force. Like, those are easy for me to preach. Peacemaker, I was like, I would rather preach about anything else. Some things are just more difficult naturally, so that's, that's where I am on it. Some people are peacemakers, and some people like to fight. And I'm on this side over here. So, but God is doing a work in me. And, and honestly, I think it helps that I can share from um, a perspective of how God's word has truly transformed my mind in some of these areas. So let's look at the scripture. We're going to read through it and then we'll come back and unpack part of it. It's Romans 12, 14 through 18. It's Paul speaking here and he says this. He says, bless, 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 bless. We use this word a lot in culture, don't we, in a variety of ways. But y'all shout it on three. Let's say bless. Ready? One, two, three. 
bless. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And here's our key scripture in verse 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Easy to read, tough to live out. So he starts the scripture off by talking about blessing. Bless those who persecute you. And here's what the word bless means. It means to speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone else. To speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone else. So, so we could read it this way. You could say, to speak well of, to wish the best blessings on someone who has hurt you. To speak well of, to wish the best blessings on someone who has offended you. To speak well of, to speak blessing over someone who has wronged you. Someone who's taken advantage of you. Someone who's rude. Because it's easy to bless people who have blessed us. It's easy for me to bless people who have blessed me. It's easy for me to be kind to those who are generous towards me. It's easy to be gracious to those who are kind towards me. But it's difficult when somebody is uh, maybe offensive or rude or difficult to love. I'll share a a secret dark side to myself. Uh, Maybe you can relate. Let's pretend we're driving down the road. And there's a car, there's a a fellow driver who is just driving like a maniac, tailgating, being rude all over the place, speeding past people, cutting people off, just a maniac on the road. This person's out there and tailgating you, and then you go down the road a few miles, and that car is pulled over by the police, true or false, you feel a little bit happy on the inside. We feel a bit happy because, hey, they got what they deserved, right? They got what they deserved, and there's a piece of me, maybe for you too. If not, you can straighten the halo up on top. But there's a piece of us that loves it when people get what they deserve. But Paul here, he gives us a very specific and a direct command. I'll share a linguistic term with you. It's called a present imperative. Parents, this may be a gift to you today. You can adopt this into your parenting. A present imperative in the Greek language. So it's it's an imperative where you're told to do something, but the present imperative means you're to continue doing what you've been told to do. So you were told to do something and then you're to continue doing it. So you could read the scripture this way. It says, be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. It's one thing to be a continual blessing to people, but to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem seems impossible. Anybody else relate? It actually seems impossible within my human nature to do it for even a few minutes. To be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Because I don't like to bless. It's not easy for me to want to bless people who are being mean to me. But Paul here in Scripture is giving us an imperative inspired by the Holy Spirit that we as followers of Christ are to actually be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. So how can we do that? How in the world can we live that way? It is actually impossible within our own nature. Without Jesus on the inside of us, this is an impossible way to live. And me and my nature, 
I could never do that. <laughs> me especially, like if you're on this side where I am, maybe you can relate, relate a little bit. It is impossible for me to live that way. And Paul actually gives context for this scripture. So we're going to back up to chapter 12, verse 1, where he explains to us how we can live this way. How can we love people who are difficult? Does anybody need some help in this today? How we can love people who are difficult. So Paul starts off, he says something very rich in 12, chapter 12, verse 1. He says, in view of God's mercy. So let me just pause there for a moment. In view of God's mercy for you. In view of God's mercy for you. How has God been merciful to you? How has God forgiven you for things that maybe you didn't deserve forgiveness of? How has God blessed you in, in ways that maybe you didn't you didn't deserve or ask for or earn, but it was just God's kindness on you. God's mercy, God's goodness. He's blessed you beyond what you've earned. He's been, he's been good to you. He's given you grace. So in view of that, in view of God's mercy, he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if you want to worship God, you want to love God, it's not going to be only in the songs that you sing. That alone is not worship. Worship, according to scripture, is the way that we live our lives. It's the way that we love the people around us. The scripture says this is our true and proper worship to God, loving others through, through being a living sacrifice. And that sounds a little bit like a paradox, a living sacrifice. It sounds like a, like a little bit of a contradiction of terms. Like no sacrificial lamb says, yes, I would like to be the next sacrifice. I'm going to line up and offer myself as the sacrifice here. There's no, there's no sacrifice that does that. And when I hear the term living sacrifice, it reminds me though that Jesus is the lamb of God. Who while he was still living, offered himself. In fact, he said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. So he offers it sacrificially. How do we love others? We lay down our natural responses. We lay down our preferences. We lay down our desires. We lay down the way that our flesh often wants to respond to people who are difficult to love. And the thing is, I think what is difficult is that oftentimes we can be right in the way that we feel about people. And we can be right even in the way that we want to respond to people. That is not the same as being a living sacrifice. Part of, part of that laying down our life is laying down the right to be right. I love this quote by Bob Goff. He says, love difficult people. You're one of them. It's just a reminder of we all kind of take turns being that difficult person. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am incomplete in and of myself to love difficult people. I need Christ inside of me. I know just the way that I am bent, the way that I'm wired. In fact, one time I was at Chick-fil-A and I was eating soup and the, the soup said, let's get to the bottom of this. And I thought, the soup gets me. Like, I've, I've never related so much to soup. Like, I want to get to the bottom of things. I want to hold people to, to the line. I want to make sure people are accountable for what they do. Me, left up to myself, I would just be a justice-wielding, vengeance-seeking nightmare to the people around me. Thankful for my family and everybody around me. I have Jesus on the inside of me working these things out. So I think about it in this way. In view of what God has done for me. In view of what God has done for me, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, letting Christ live in me. Romans 12, 16 says this. 
fact, our, our first scripture, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. There's no actual Greek translation for this. If you look up the translation, do you know what it says? Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. And what's interesting about this is that I think we live in a time where so many people are proud of how right they are. And when I say they, I'm talking about me, like we. This is me too. Like I can read an article. I can read a book. I can listen to a podcast. And I can feel like I am an expert in something. But when we're all living this way, we're all experts and we're all right. And we all want to fight about how right we are and then be proud of how right we are. And it's difficult to get along with people when we're all so right. Four years ago, nobody was an expert in science. Now we all know how big a molecule can be to penetrate through a mask in the science of transmittable disease. Like now we're all experts in science things. And none of us knew that before, but now, now we're all just experts and proud of how right we are. Proud of it. I'm thankful that. Over the years, Landon has helped me to soften in this way. I can be very black and white, right and wrong, um, knowing that my perspective is right. But you miss out on a whole other perspective that someone from, from a different background, maybe a different age, maybe a different culture, they see things differently. And we miss out on that relational peace if we're unwilling to see things that way. And here's what Jesus did not tell us. He did not tell us to be right. He told us to be loving. He called us to be loving. The word says that the world will know that we are Christians, not by how right we are or how correct we are or how proud we are of how right we are, but by our love, by our love. And if we're not careful, I think we can be so caught up in wanting to be right that we forget to be loving. Because it's inevitable that we're going to face conflict, that we're going to have misunderstandings, that there are going to be disagreements. In fact, I was listening to a podcast just the other day, and it said, it said that, at, at the root of most misunderstandings, it's there, there's a huge um, gap in assumptions, Un, like unspoken assumptions. And so the, it, it creates a massive area for uh, like just a gap of misunderstanding because there's an assumption on uh, like polarizing assumptions is what it said. So polarizing assumptions can lead to most of our misunderstandings. And because our brains are wired to protect themselves, what our brains will do is they actually, our brains will make up a story to fill in the gap of what we don't know. And our brains will make up this story to fill in the gap. And, and when the story is for ourselves, it's very grace-filled and it's very much based on our intention. So if we're late, we're like, well, I'm late because like there was traffic and it wasn't my fault. And I hope they'll like, they'll be understanding because I didn't mean to be. And like I intended and like, I didn't mean to be, it was an accident. Or if we're short with somebody, a little sharp in our tone, like they'll be understanding because my intent was not to be that way. My intent was uh, to maybe answer more softly, but I'm just stressed. I got all these things piling up and I was just frustrated. I didn't mean to, they'll be understanding, right? But when somebody else is late, we fill in the gap with a story that is just based in accusation of they're always late because they don't care. And they're late because they're irresponsible. And they're late because they're this or they're that. Or somebody's rude. It's, they'll never change. They're, they're this way because whatnot. We fill in the gap with their actions. But when it comes to ourselves, we fill in the gap with that story based on our intentions. And here's the thing about accusations. Here's what accusations do. And I believe the enemy wants our stories about other people to be rooted in accusations. And accusations can be a really destructive thing. They can split marriages. 
It can erode friendships. It can divide churches. Accusations come from the enemy. But God wants our stories about each other to be rooted in love. Rooted in love. Ephesians 4.2 says this. This is Paul speaking again. And he says, be patient with one another. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. It's our love that gives allowance and space for each other's faults. It's, it's our love that does that, not by how right we are. The other day I was driving in the car with the kiddos, and uh, I know this conversation might seem a little cheesy to you, but I'm willing to put myself out here if it's helpful to somebody. But I was thinking about grace. I was preparing for this message and just thinking about grace. And we have three kids. They're 8, 10, and 12. And they're just sometimes can be constant, like, bickering. Like, the kids don't want to let anybody do anything to them without saying something about it. It's like, just let it go. Like, you don't have to say something about everything all the time. Like, you're just going to be constantly fussing. Just ignore it, you know. And so we were driving, and I was like, you know what word I've been thinking about lately? I was like, I've been thinking about grace. And because they're kind of small, I was like, do y'all know what grace is? And they were kind of sharing their thoughts about it. And, and the best way for us to kind of talk about these things is to give them an example of it. It's like, well, you know, like you've done something, you've messed up, you've done something wrong, a fault, maybe even like the scripture talks about here, like making allowance for each other's faults. Like somebody's messed up, you're on the hook for it, you know it, you're waiting for it, you're waiting for what you deserve. And then this moment comes, this gift of somebody saying, it's okay. Like that, that feeling that you feel is grace. That we just talked about how we get to have endless amounts of opportunities within a family system to practice grace over and over and over again. <laughs> it's like, hey, if you missed it, it's okay. Like just hang around for about 30 more seconds. You will have another opportunity to practice grace. And it's true in our natural families. It's true in our spiritual families, right? In, in, the, in the family, in the church family, we're going to have endless opportunities to practice and, and work on and grow and develop the muscles of grace for one another. There was a time not too long ago, um, we had just got new dishes. We grew out of our newlywed dishes, and we, we got a new set of dishes. And one of our children, who shall in this service remain nameless, I accidentally named this child in first service. I was like, in second service, this child shall remain nameless. This child was putting away the dishes and loading the dishwasher just as, as their chore for that day. And sometimes there can be lots of squirrely activity around dishes, and it bothers me because I don't want them to break stuff being goofy. Like accidents happen, yes, but most of the time they happen because we're not paying attention. Am I right? Yes, I am. So when they're putting these dishes away, um, they're trying to be silly. Everything becomes a drumstick. I'm like, stop, just focus. You're going to break something. This is something I say a lot. Well, this child was unloading the dishwasher. And let me just say this about bowls. Bowls, that's where it's at when you're picking dishware. It's about the bowls because I love cereal a lot. And cereal has to have the right kind of bowl. You all know you have that bowl that you go to for cereal. It's got to have the right amount of depth, not too shallow. not too, it, It's all about the bowls. So this child was doing their chores, stacking all of the bowls. And, y'all, when I say all of the bowls, I do mean all of the bowls, like all of our bowls. Stacking all of these bowls to put on the counter to put away all of the bowls. All of the holes. And I was sitting in the front room, and then I heard it. It just, all of the bowls, all of them. And because this child has heard me often say, cut it out. You're going to drop something. You're going to break my dishes, my dishes. He's probably so, this child is probably so tired of, of hearing that. So 
all of the bowls fall. And he's like frozen. The child is frozen. This child looks at me and like, like waiting to be grabbed up by a shirt collar and, you know, fussed at. And I took his breath. I looked at the child and I was like, are you okay? You could see him like kind of exhale, kind of took a breath. And I was like, it's okay. And you could just see him like, like there were still tears because the emotion was already there. They were already waiting on the hammer to fall. But when the hammer comes down or, or when you're expecting the hammer to come down because you know that you've messed up and somebody says, it's okay. It is a gift. It's a gift. It's such a gift. So we're in the car and we're talking about it and we got to bring that moment into it. It's like that feeling that you had, you get to give that feeling to other people. Would I have been right to get onto the child, to get onto the kid and fuss and discipline and whatnot? Probably because they probably, you know, A plus B. Like I probably would have been right to do that. But at the end of the day, the, the reality is that spiritually we are all that person that is standing there with a bunch of broken bowls doing the very thing that we were told not to do so that the bowls didn't get broken you know what I mean spiritually speaking we need the grace and love of Jesus Christ that covers us where he comes in and says I got you and then we get to as an extent of God's grace and love for others give that gift to people and it is truly a gift and I didn't get there easily because my natural reaction is big. I can, I can react very fast and I can react very intensely. It's not my natural reaction to be calm in situations. I can have a whole situation handled and taken care of before Landon even knows what is going on sometimes. Like I can, I can react quickly in moments, but that's not a good thing in family systems and relationships. It's not a good thing. So here's a true story. This scripture has actually transformed my mind when it comes to these things. It's Proverbs 19, 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Some translations say it is to one's credit to overlook an offense. To overlook. It's the same as, it's not, it's not the same as pretending it didn't happen, but it's choosing to let it go. It's like real-time forgiveness. It's a conscious decision to let it go. It comes from this word. Overlook is a Hebrew word that, that translates pass over. Like you see it, you don't like it, but you're passing over it. So instead of focusing on the offense or dwelling on it or replaying it or magnifying it, you are choosing to pass over it. So I read this scripture. And it transformed my mind because I, I started to say, it's okay. It's okay. That became like my parenting mantra for the most part. I don't always get it right. So this is not a humble brag. This is a, I'm trying not to light everything on fire every time a kid makes a mistake. Because the reality is that we do make mistakes. And when there's a mistake that is made, usually, at least on my end, when I make a mistake, no one needs to tell me that I have messed up. Like I know. I feel it, I, I, I feel it the most. No one needs to like come down harsh on me. So even in that moment when a kid drops all of the bowls, the kid knew there was a sense of, I've messed up, I've messed up. And so I had pre-trained my brain, transformed by the scripture to give a response of, it's okay, it's okay. And there's this deep breath and this feeling of let off the hook for something that they deserved, let it go. Like, it's, it's okay. Someone, someone makes a passive-aggressive comment, I'm over it. You can just say, I'm over it, or it's okay. 
your mother-in-law is correcting your parenting again. I'm over it. Your spouse criticizes how loudly you chew or clank on that glass bowl while eating cereal, while watching a show after the kids have gone to bed. I know that was oddly specific, but pretend. I'm over it. It's okay. You could apply it to the difficult person at the mall or shopping with all the Christmas shopping going on. The person who's just unnecessarily rude. I'm over it. I'm choosing to overlook it. What if we apply it to the people we love most, apply it to our, our, our family relationships, our church relationships, our friendships. Somebody does something that's a little too sharp, I'm over it. In fact, I heard somebody saying one time that, that you just can verbalize that. I'm overlooking that. A sharp tone, I'm overlooking that. It's like real-time forgiveness. I'm, I'm, I'm overlooking that. I know there have been times where I can respond in a way that's not great. And in the person I'm saying that to, maybe it's even in our marriage, say I, I say something to Landon that has a tone or it's too sharp. And I kind of catch his eye like he caught it, I caught it. I'm like, that wasn't great. But there doesn't have to become a fight over it. He lets it go. That's a gift. Like I'm letting it go. We're not going to allow the offenses to pile up and create um, bitterness and resentment towards one another. Because offense is really the, the bait that Satan uses. There's an entire book called The Bait of Satan written by John Bevere. And the whole premise of the book is that, is that the, the enemy uses offense to hook us because he's beginning with the end in mind, which is division. It's a separation of some kind. But the hook, the initial bite, the bait is offense. And if we bite on that, it's the beginning of the end as far as the enemy is concerned, that these offenses pile up. We're logging them, the hurts, the, the, the pain from it turns into bitterness, turns into resentment, and then distance. And it ultimately can divide that which God has brought together in, in marriages, friendships, church relationships. It's the bait of Satan. So when we have even these conversations in our marriage, we'll call them constructive conversations. It's a platform for an argument. As we, we lead together, we, we parent together, uh, we've built a life together, and there's very little that we actually agree on. We don't always see eye to eye on anything, whether it's parenting or money or church leadership. There's a lot of room for differences in all of that. So anytime we're having a constructive conversation around that, one of the things that has been very helpful to us is that our arguments are bathed in love knowing that we want the same thing for each other because love doesn't just seek to win an argument. Love seeks to protect the relationship. So in our effort to be right, let's not forget to be loving and make loving our goal in it. Overlooking is forgiveness in real time, not letting the hurt accumulate. So let's look at our key verse. How can we love people who are difficult to love? Because we all have them and sometimes we are them. Here's what, what we're told in Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible... And I love that this is included because it's giving room for we cannot control other people. We cannot control situations. So if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everyone. Live at peace with everyone. The person who is rude, the person who has hurt you, the person who has maybe offended you. Live at peace with everyone. Because your life is too short and your calling is too great to be offended by something small. And yes, there are those really deep, painful, wounding moments, but for the most part, the offenses that come our way are small. And it is to our credit, as the word says, it is to our credit to overlook those things. And 
And so maybe some of you have a loved one who has passed away. And maybe there was a missing piece in that relationship. And that person's passed away and you no longer have the opportunity to make things right with that person. That's a difficult thing to carry. That's heavy. And I think for a lot of us where there is a, re a relationship that we have that is missing peace, we still have time to make things right with that person. We have time today maybe to send a text and say, hey, let's have a conversation. For most of us, these relationships are still at the point where we can, we can reach out with love. And what's difficult, at least for me, is that sometimes it's the, it's the being right that gets in the way. So I have these relationships in my life that are very difficult to get along with people, difficult to love. And sometimes it's difficult because I am right in why I'm upset. I'm right in why I'm offended. I'm right in why I am hurt. I can be right. What am I going to do with that? I'm going to lay that down as a living sacrifice. Christ in me, through the power of the Holy Spirit in me, lay that down and seek to love, seek to preserve the relationship. So maybe there's a fractured marriage in here that needs to be healed. Maybe there's a relationship between a parent and a child that, that has been distant. Maybe there's not been a relationship for years. Maybe there's been a lack of communication and, and a relationship that is weighty, that is difficult. And you still have time to make that relationship right. At least on your end, as much as it depends on you. And I know what you may be saying, like, hey, you know, it, it, takes, it takes two to reconcile. And I would agree with you. It does take two to reconcile. It takes two to reconcile, but it takes one to love. It takes one to be humble. It takes one to bring peace. It takes one. So as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, we're going to live at peace with everyone. So I'm wondering who that person might be for you. Just as I've been talking about difficult relationships, maybe, maybe that one for you is coming to mind. And what if this holiday season you were able to go into it knowing that you're being led by Jesus in it, that you're able to enter it as a living sacrifice and start to bring some, some restoration to that relationship. And I, I know that it's a tough assignment. I know, because I, I am in them also. I know that it's a tough assignment. And I think within it, being a tough assignment means that it's going to have to be by the power of God. It's going to have to be a miraculous moment. And, and maybe I can do my best. Maybe you can do your best in it. But maybe, maybe the healing starts in your heart. Maybe there's something in your heart that you can let go that you've been holding on to for a long time. And maybe today can be the day to let that go. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and come on down. We end every service with what we call response time. And we're going to serve communion. We have prayer partners. It's going to be a time where the band is going to lead us in a song. Where, and, and during that time, you can come down and pray for peace. Pray for that miracle healing. Pray for restoration in that relationship. Pray that you will have the courage to maybe step out and send that first text message or make that phone call. Like how can you help as far as it depends on you making that relationship right? And maybe you're here today and your relationship with God is the most important relationship and you don't have peace there. So just with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. If I were to ask you today, how is your relationship with God? Do you have peace in the most important relationship? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, well, I've, I've been to church and I worship and I've been doing things, but there's really missing peace in that relationship with God.
Maybe today is a day where you can come back to him. Maybe today is a day where you give your life to him for the very first time and say, I need to know the Prince of Peace so that his peace can live through me. If, if that is for you today, the, the moment we start response time, come down and pray with somebody and say, today is the day that I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you come back to Jesus and you can begin that peaceful relationship with God. And if you guys would go ahead and stand as we begin our response time. I'm thinking about the relationships that really need help from God for healing. Like they really need God working through us. Maybe there's been a, a serious wound in a relationship that you're carrying. And you need that healing in your heart today. You need that healing um, from offense. You need that forgiveness in your heart. Maybe your prayer today is help me live at peace within yourself. And you need that healing peace from God. Restoration, forgiveness. And also we have communion. And this is a symbolic moment that reminds us that we too can be difficult people to love. And that we are spiritually that, that kid with a, a bunch of broken bowls all around us. And God came to us through his son Jesus and said, it's okay. And he covered us with his blood and he spiritually made us okay with the Father. Communion is a time for us to remember that. But maybe there's a, a relationship where you can even ask for forgiveness. You could do something to take that step forward. So I'm just going to pray a blessing over you guys. And I'm going to lead us in this time of prayer. And then as the team leads us, you are free to respond for communion, prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need peace in your relationship with him, if there's any kind of relational healing that you need, this is your moment to respond in that. So Lord, with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, God, we thank you that you are our peace. And Lord, I pray for, the, for those today who are experiencing or need peace in a relationship. There's, there's peace somewhere missing. And that relationship is heavy. It's sad. We want it to be different. Something uh, relationally is broken. Lord, we bring those things to you today. God, we ask for your miraculous healing in those relationships today where, where there, there comes difficulty with it. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us Jesus. God, that when, when we were relationally broken, you gave us your son. And Lord, in the same way that you have loved us and you've brought us peace and you've extended grace and kindness and mercy in view of your mercy for us, God, with your Holy Spirit inside of us, help us to love and to respond to others with that same gift of grace and love. God, for the one who needs courage to reach out first, Lord, would they, would they know that as far as it depends on them, they have the power to do it through Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the peace that you bring us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the band leads us, we're going to worship, come, receive prayer, and take communion, and then we'll end the service here shortly. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.